Hey, 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 welcome back to On The Wheeled, a one-of-a-kind podcast where you get to go behind the wheel with me and tune into some of the most spontaneous, authentic conversation with people from all over the world and from every walks of life. In this episode, Jeffrey and I talk about poetry. I asked Jeffrey, what does it mean to be a poet? What makes good poetry? He expresses his love for the art and how writing poetry can be likened to the process of creation itself, from pure energy to matters, form, from ideas to written words that can be used to communicate to us a world that is only made known to the artist himself. So, without any further ado, let us get right into this episode. Tell us a little bit about poetry and you. Skeptical, maybe even a little bit cynical. Look at how beautiful life is. Duality of good and evil. We are not inherently good or evil. Like bring it down to practical daily living. Reflective of the balance and like transformative things kind of happen at the edges. Explore together. It's about being of service. Like, what are those needs? Just a sense of connection and involvement in my environment. You need to know yourself because you yourself is your instrument for relating to the rest of the world. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I've had a, a good day. Uh, I ate a lot last night, though, so I feel like I'm still digesting, but uh, kind of clarifying my relationship with food. I feel like that's an ongoing thing this month, but it's doing good. My cat is breathing very hard on me right now, too. Oh, what's her name? His name is Simon. Simon? How do I spell yeah, that? He's S- a very cuddly cat. I M O N. I M O N. Simon. Well, welcome, Simon, to our little podcast. You know what? I'm really grateful for you and Simon to join us today. And so today, we, ladies and gentlemen, have uh, Jeffrey, the world renowned poet. <laughs> world renowned. That's right. Everyone knows me. Silver no, I was just relating. I was just relating too, because I just started my. Uh, a poem a day newsletter the beginning Mm. of this year and it's the same thing where it's like trying to keep it up consistently but not getting so much feedback especially at the beginning of starting something yeah the infancy is always beautiful to actually be present too because next thing you know it just something else happened so to appreciate the process that infancy of something that is growing is really cool and Particularly, this podcast is a platform where it's like, oh man, you just have to do so many of it. It's not about really the perfections in the thing, trying to get it to a certain way, but it's just that flow of energy and and that to feed it, to nourish it in one way or another. So I'm grateful for you. Can you tell us a little bit about poetry and you? What's your connection with one another? Mm, I would say that... My original relationship to poetry is almost through songs. Like I see music and poetry as very closely related. Like mm. what I when I first started writing, I first started writing songs when I was a teenager and I was very much just trying to imitate the songs that I already admired. And for a long time, I didn't consider myself very much interested in poetry or mm. songwriting. I was more just writing like freelance articles, uh, fiction, prose, as opposed to poetry. And mm. I don't know, it was around the beginning of uh, 2020, when I started doing more uh, healing work and, and really trying to like, 
have a spiritual connection because I had been kind of more secular and skeptical, maybe even a little bit cynical about spiritual traditions until then. But then mm-hmm. having read some of Alan Watts, like The Meaning of Happiness and uh, Baba Ramdas, Be Here Now, I remember those two books in 2019 being like, awakening moments for me where I just had so many thoughts in response and I would be reading the book and almost just in response to reading prose, I would start writing poetry because Mm. it was concentrating how much I was getting from like what I was reading in order to process all of the information coming at me. I just naturally started to do poetry. And then especially once I started doing yoga and just be like these intuitive insights that when I was suspending my will, I was not trying to write anymore because I considered myself a writer. and I was trying to like distance myself, not always have to see through the lens of being a writer. But because my mind was so used to thinking in terms of words, even when I was dropping into that more spiritual, imaginative place, these words and these insights and these concentrations of my experiences and what I, and what I was learning and would just come to me. Mm. And so it was almost like I started writing poetry myself before being like, oh, I guess I'm writing poetry now. And then starting to look more into other poets and discover like William Blake and Walt Whitman and just really be inspired about the how much you can concentrate into a short amount of words and how deep of a connection you can feel with writer or fellow poet as a reader through the page and across so much time. So yeah, I think that's kind of where I see myself now is just doing poetry as a way to heal and better know the self Mm. and to transcend the self even and Mm. then once I do it for myself at a certain point it's like oh well I'll just share it with the world and hopefully it provides the same value to someone else of like seeing their own experiences reflected and feeling a connection Mm. isn't that so true the work you do is for your own awakening it's like awakening thesis where the work in itself is doesn't matter how it's received or we don't we're not, we're not looking for feedback in a sense of hey i need you to give the feedback or praise or whatnot so that i can continue doing the thing even though it's nice to get those kind of feedback but it's more so whoa there's just so much energy and it need to move it need to to express itself in some sort of forms it have to take form uh, otherwise boring just pure energy is boring because that's what there there was uh, in the beginning of all things, right? The scientist says, um, uh, in the Big Bang, in the beginning, it was just all energy. There was no form. And so mm. energy want to move. And I, I can relate from that perspective. Wow, that's pretty yeah. cool. Do you have any recommendations on like for like beginners, uh, people like myself? Who do you recommend? What poets do you think a beginner would want to read? Uh, the two that came to mind, I think I all already mentioned but uh walt whitman would be one uh like leaves of grass yeah leaves of grass by walt whitman i think you might enjoy that chen because it's like he's very much like feels like he's reaching out of the book and kind of grabbing you and being like look at how beautiful life is reach this ecstatic state of appreciating the world and seeing Mm. how life grows from death and how it's all connected Mm. wow that's delicious Mm -hmm. Mm. wow okay what what whitman Leaves on the grass, like leaf or leaves earth? of grass. Leaves. Oh, oh, leaves of grass. And then the second was uh, William Blake. William Blake, like B L A K E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. he's a British poet. Just powerful in terms of how he can concentrate a lot of meaning behind words, and I think speaks to the divine power of imagination. And the book that really unlocked something for me was called *The Marriage of Heaven and Hell*. 
and it talks about just the origin of spirituality and the divine imagination. Christianity, European Christianity in William Blake's time, at least, although I, I hope it's evolving, um, would kind of suppress uh, a lot of existence as like bad, like that is evil that belongs to the devil, when in mm. reality, it's all like together and things that are new and scary, perhaps are actually just like a new frontier. So the marriage of he heaven and hell, bringing these dualities of good and evil under one umbrella. Mm. Yeah. So William Blake, I would highly recommend as well. Duality of good and evil is interesting. I ask these questions a lot to people. I'm like, do you think human is good inherently? Or can we be living in peace together because of some of the conversation in regard to, say, uh, Ukraine's and some of the, the stuff that's going on, how we're inflicting pain on one another, right? Rather than celebrating and being in bliss of like, whoa, look at what's happening around us, life itself. We're still murdering one another. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Do you think we're inherently good or evil? Are there poetries that talk about answer that questions? Um, I think we're not inherently good or evil. I think we mm. contain the potential for both mm. because those are just kind of judgments that are based on what your outlook is. My theory about it, I think it's hard to split anything into dualities, but the duality that I can kind of see is acceptance versus denial. And I think a lot of what people consider evil comes from them trying to deny different aspects of existence. We think things are evil because we want to deny that they have their place and they have their reason. People might say, oh, the other side of the war that I'm on, they are evil because they want mm. to hurt me. Or humans might say, mosquitoes are evil because they're so annoying and they cause so much disease. Mm. But if you can tap into that more universal consciousness and see beyond you or me, beyond Russia and Ukraine, then you can recognize how everything serves a universal balance. And even though it causes a lot of pain sometimes, like I don't like being bitten by, by mosquitoes or people going to war at all, there is this balance that it serves beyond mm. our individual isolated identities just to keep things as a whole. But that just sounds so like esoteric though. It's like, it's not practical. Mm. Like, okay, I can ask, I, I go to work every day. I have to earn a living. I, I have to eat and so on and so on. So, and I'll do the best I can do. Um, and, and all of that's going on. So what do you mean not, you know, being individuals, not how, how can we bring it down to practical daily living? Because I think it's just so difficult to do to think that way no? Yeah, it definitely is a contradiction, you know, like trying to figure out the meaning to be like, I want to transcend my individual consciousness, but also I still have to go to work, I still have to eat, mm. I still have to do all these basic things. And I, I really don't know, like I struggle with it too, sometimes like i mean i struggle with it every day i'll be honest that it's like having spiritual practices to try and remember the wholeness and then i will have a more accepting of my suffering just by trying to accept it and have some kind of spiritual practice and i think a lot of it is just fake it till you make it mm. you know you may not have had religious experiences before you just do the practice you know like you start doing yoga you start meditating and at the beginning you're like what is this i have like x y and z to do this doesn't feed my family or put food on the table mm. but just taking the time and having the inward focus 
I think you start to have these experiences that are reflective of the balance and like creativity of the existence around you. Like I know what you were saying about there not being, this all still sounds kind of esoteric, but uh, about there not being form before energy, like there was just energy originally. I think you can see that in the process of writing. When I have a story or something or a new idea, it's just like, boom, there's this idea of energy and there's all these directions in which the energy can go. And the creative process, the process of life, bringing it from infancy to adulthood, right, is like gradually narrowing the, that energy, channeling it into a specific form. I had this idea, but now I need to make all of these choices that make it a little bit more limited, but also determine the impact that we can have. Well, that's the nature of form itself. It has some sort of limitation, boundary, right? To have for it to be form, it's, which is really crazy how you said that, that it's for it to be limited ideas. It's just pure energy. And when it comes into more form, it is more limited than it has form. Edges. Limitations is what, but edges, right? Mm-hmm. And the edges is what make things visible. Like we have edges Make sure that the edges are sharps when you do photography or capture video. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's pretty cool. Pretty cool perspective. Yeah. But all of the like most transformative things kind of happen at the edges, you know, where like mm. the forest meets civilization. That's where the most biodiversity is. And like when you're having a conversation, it's like you're at the edge of each other's perceptions. And so you can start to like change perceptions based on meeting at those edges like kind of testing the limits whoa so that means conversation don't have to be like me against you but hey let's explore together uh and then two is better than one right mm-hmm, definitely it's like power with versus power over mm, can you talk about that in terms of poetry power with yeah i would say a lot of it i can connect to the way that you were talking about uh putting your podcast out there because it's not about the achieving fame as an artist. It's about being of service. So poetry, I think it's often very personal and very intimate and comes from a place of this is what I'm going through. These are some of the difficult and the beautiful things that I can express in in words, but I'm not putting in them out there just to be admired or just to gain fame or gain money because anyone, mm. any poet, Walt Whitman will tell you, you don't get rich um, making poetry in America, at least at this time. Um, but it's just about giving people reflections of showing them like, hey, I know you may be suffering because here's the way that I, the ways that I have been suffering. And by sharing our suffering, we actually feel a lot better. And I think that's part of the power with that really comes through for me in writing and poetry. It's a lot of shadow work where it's like, I could talk about all of the things that are beautiful in the world, but it's also really important for me to talk about like what is really hard and what causes a lot of suffering. And then when I see other poets or other writers who are like struggling with the same things or similar things, I just feel more okay going through it. Because even if it's painful, at least we can go through the pain together. Mm, you don't get rich doing poetry can you have a career doing poetry can you and what about your career doing poetry do you plan to ha- do full-time poetry can it can you sustain yourself as a poet in america or do you have to go to somewhere else at this point i'm not trying to do poetry full-time in part because i don't really want to do anything full-time i think part of the ideal of balance i have is being able to have multiple different kinds of work you know mm. like i right now 
renouncing the fruits of my labor of poetry. Like my uh, newsletter that I just started this year, uh, I'll have like a thing where like people can pay me for some of the, for like introductions and context behind the poem. But overall, it's just about giving it out for free and mm. hoping that like the gifts come about come back to me you know it's like trying to participate more in a gift economy mm. um, and then in terms of getting monetary pay i'm also i'm still hoping to like publish poetry and sell it in that way mm. um, and also doing substitute teaching just mm. like teaching and other forms of writing mm. are the ways i think that you can kind of make poetry a little bit more palatable as a career but i'm still discovering it kind of one step of the, one step at a time too mm. just following the gifts you know yeah, following the gifts. What when you mentioned um, something interesting, the gift economy, participating in the gift economy, is that like a literal participations, or is that you talking about putting energy in, and then somehow the energy can't be otherwise but to come back? Kind of gift economy. Can you go deeper into to that? Uh, yeah, I would say both literally and energetically, I'm trying to participate in the gift economy where it's having conversations with people and putting poetry out there into the online world without any expectation of reimbursement immediately. It's just kind of trusting that in being open and sharing and expressing myself as authentically, then there will I'll get other people expressing themselves and sharing authentically, which almost like meets a lot of needs that people look to money to fulfill. You know, it's easy to mm. try and substitute paid experiences for authentic experiences, I think. And like, what are those needs that, that we are trying to fulfill with money? Just a sense of connection and involvement in my environment. Like, mm. I'll, I, like I was saying at the beginning, I'm struggling with my relationship with food a little bit. Sometimes I think I'll uh, eat more than I actually need just because I want to uh, have some sense of connection and relieve stress. But what I found, especially starting to go out more after like a couple years of quarantine was like, oh, I can relieve stress and feel better about myself just by connecting with other people and conversing with other people. Mm. So that's part of it. And then also participating in the gift economy literally just by checking craigslist for free things going on uh buy nothing and mm. especially having a garden is a great way to do this because gardeners it seems love to like share their knowledge with other gardeners give like a little compost bin or something and so mm. if i have something extra i put it on craigslist and if i see something extra i could use i pick it up oh that's so cool wow that's really important to hear i i'm glad you you said all of that about because I find that in myself, right, start to observe myself about the relationship with food. And it's crazy to, to, to actually being able to feel that little jerk of like energy pulling me to the kitchen and, and feeling that urges as a, as a both sensational and imaginative like through the imaginative faculty, right? Seeing it in the mind as very subtle, but a sense of pulling to me the kitchen. I'm like, what is this? Why do I, my feet want to like go to the kitchen? Um, you know, especially while watching a, a good Netflix show or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like paired with TV sometimes. It's like, oh, I'm enjoying this thing. Let me have a snack with me. Right, yeah, you can right. follow like the mental habit of like, if I'm doing X, then I want 
food. I want wine. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's really important to notice.、Um, and I start to notice more when I'm actually fasting because I'm giving myself an environment to actually observe and, and but not do anything about it by the nature of pre-commitment. I mean, that's what meditation is, really. Right? I'm going to commit to 15 minutes. I don't care what happens. I'm just going to sit down for 15 minutes,、um, and most likely it will lead us to some really nice place or bad place. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it can be hard to let go of all the, the mental habits, yeah. But I most often、That's、find,、fair. you know, it's pretty difficult to like after fasting to not have the temptations of having more food.、Mm. Suppress yourself, so when it does express, it's like, whoa, I want so much. So it would have been better if you didn't fast. In the first place, because you then increase that destructive power by eating too much out of like immediately. You know that's why fasting. It's important to break the fast than actually doing the fast, because most of fasting go wrong when we break the fast too quickly, which I'm guilty of, and hope、mm-hmm, to do better. I think fasting is such a powerful act、mm-hmm. um, as a human being, especially in our now modern age, which. I want to ask you more about poetry, but hopefully we can segue into that. It's like, how does poetry answer some of the questions about life, about survival, about being a human being? Living is so difficult sometimes, right? There's so so much challenges and you know atrocity. If you look around on the internet anywhere now, we have access to immediate information, so we can see that so vividly. Everywhere at the tip of our finger, which is like, oh, I'm not gonna choose to watch news for like five hours because all of those five hours I will be shown <clears throat> as much atrocity as I can take and more, you know. And so,、um, how how does poetry touch just some of that of that aspect of life? Like those questions. I would say poetry gives people the empowerment they need to make their own decisions more, even when those decisions won't always be healthy and. Initially, it's just kind of dropping into a place of non-judgmental expression, where you can kind of reconcile the dualities that we live in. And I think a lot of the, I don't know, the suffering and war and violence we have in the world is kind of people externalizing their own internal anguish. You know,、mm. like we all have these contradictions within us. And poetry and inner work is a way of not running away from those contradictions and that suffering, but really owning it and seeing it clearly, and recognizing the beauty of existence in all of these dualities and contradictions. And、mm. so, instead of instead of like getting mad at your neighbor because really you're just in a bad mood because you know you ate too much, you're fasting, and you're really hungry, but you want to take that out on someone else, including、mm. just on the geopolitical scale. You know, like this country has a has too much food, and this country has not enough. Or this country needs to depend on the agriculture of that country, and there's politics that go in with that. Whoa,、If、that goes wrong. It's all they... come down to food. <laughs> Seriously, you know, it's like where we get our wait, energy wait, from. Wait, 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 wait! All the world problem could be solved in a garden. What? Who said that? Yeah, Jeff Lawton. Eh. What he's an Australian, Jeff Long. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's somewhere、character. in Australia. But anyway, a, a beautiful human being. I, th- I think he's worth checking out.、Um, I know a lot of people don't like him, but I personally enjoy his work and what he's sharing. But yeah, so it's all come down to food, isn't it? So poetry allow us the opportunity to see things as they are, like art. No, like、yes. Frida, right? It's like, oh my God, so much suffering. 
Have you seen that movie, Frida? Mm-hmm, Obviously. Yeah. It's, yeah, my wife showed that to me. I, I've never seen Mine it. Too. <laughs> and and I really get to see that aspect, right? Because I think that's also my understanding right now of, of what you're expressing in terms of poetry. And seeing the little poetry that I've seen is that it expresses something so painful, so beautifully, in a sense, like a beautiful painting of the worst suffering yeah it's like transforming pain into beauty like there are Mm. times where i would just be in such a heightened emotional state and instead of lashing out at someone else i would like lash out through words but it's not words that are directed at that person Mm. i'm not yelling at my wife if i'm in a argument with her i'm just gonna like write the poetry curse her out in poetry (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like there would be times where i like start writing a poem from a very angry place and by the end of it i've like sorted through Mm. it and like come out Mm. on the other side because of that and it's Mm. the same way with growing your own food it's like tending to your own emotions instead Mm. of taking them out on other people tending to your own emotion i have to admit that at some point in my life i was an angry champ very angry champ you said? Yeah, champ. Yeah, champion. The champion mm-hmm. of anger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yes, the I get to observe it in myself, the the yearning to express that energy. And after all, it is energy, a form of energy. I don't know if feeling of anger is any different from the feelings of the energy you feel when you want to protect somebody, right? You um, mm-hmm. Or something that you love. I don't know. There's a difference in that. But th- th- this yearning to express that energy, and there's so much of it. And um, you're right. I, th- I find that the creative aspects of like doing something, doing a podcast, doing Instagram stuff, creating I don't know, dancing and and just different avenue to to let energy come into form and going back to that. And there's something relatively magical about that process, right? And it come back to, whoa, I just feel so incredibly beautiful, not necessarily because I won a lottery ticket, but um, went to the gym earlier today or take a walk or um, went on hiking or write some poetry or um, create something on the internet and share. The sharing aspect mm-hmm. is important aspects, obviously. But yes, to to go back to further the <laughs> topic of poetry, because I want to go deep with you on that, because I think it would be a waste not to. So then what make good poetry? Oh, it's like asking what makes good art. It's a hard question. I think well, it's well, definitely okay. it's hey, I'm an amateur. I Okay. No, it's so, okay. Um, I would say poetry is one of those things where people can have really be really strict on form about it. I'm not. Mm. I think I like to have poetry that just is kind of raw. That's mm. what I like about poetry. Like prose is cooked where you're like organizing it, but poetry is just raw. And I think it's about feeling. It's really like, mm. do you feel like this is coming from an authentic place? And it was really alive for the writer when they wrote it. They experienced this and it came from a deep place. And I don't know, mm. sometimes you sense that and sometimes you don't and sometimes it's maybe just like who's reading it whether or not they have whether mm. or not it resonates with their experiences mm. oh my god so then to say i must write good poetry 
fishery is like saying, you know, cast a net big enough for everybody. All those fish in the ocean are uh, mm-hmm. too big, too wide. So then it just come back to trusting the creation process and then letting it go. And like making it, right? making choices so you can making have choices. like a specific form for it because mm. you can't please everyone all all the time. You need to like focus on pleasing yourself first and then and then you find your audience just by putting it out there. Pleasing yourself. Doesn't that self sound so like selfish and egotistic though? Yeah, I mean, it can. But I think about this James Baldwin quote that's essentially like you need to know yourself because you you're self is your instrument for relating to the rest of the world and it goes with the concept of putting your own oxygen mask on before you put someone else's on like if you don't take care of yourself you're not going to be good you're not going to be good to anyone else either so it's really important to meet your own needs first but just imagine imagine that sacrifice of like i'm gonna let myself go completely for something else for someone else you know the love of the mother of the son who's just like willing to die for him so that she forgot to put on her mask just tending to his and then lost both lives because that's better right no not really in from a perspective of yeah, yeah. <laughs> saving lives i think definitely true put on your mask first but i right. also see the other side of it like where, a doomed romanticism yeah but you know how how it is we love romance what would life be without a little romance a lot of it mm-hmm. people die for romance so do you do any romantic poetry i mean i do whatever comes up kind of uh, but oh, i'd say okay. some of my stuff is uh, i'd say some of my poetry is romantic like there's a lot okay. about just both being romantic but also like looking at the hard parts of being romantic too you know the consequences mm. of being romantic oh. and what it means to be committed to another person well valentine is coming up do you have something that you want to share with the audience i'm married so i know mm-hmm. what it means to be in a committed relationship shit's hard and we have to keep growing from it and then things happens and turbulence and waves and tsunamis in life from live event just comes and it's it's really make me more poised i don't know i just feel more poised in the sense of like this is just me this is what i do this is all there is there's nothing to think about but just to let go and trust that process of the whole cosmo so can you share with us some romantic poetry or anything of that nature mm-hmm. i'm thinking of a few lines i wrote for my partner oh, i'll just let the lines speak for themselves i could never make out the shape of desire but I can trace yours in my sleep. You're realer than the one that I want. You're the one that I need, but not the only one. I don't know if she's going to like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. See, You're not the only one. I undercut it a little bit because that's been you part don't. of my journey. That's been part of my journey in being in a committed partnership is wanting to meet someone, all of someone else's needs because we have this idea of romance but recognizing that there may be times in which you need to have other connections in order to make mm. you feel fully heard and held. Like, you, like I have a partner and she is like the one for me. But then I also like if I was only staying with one person all the time, I would go a little bit stir crazy. You know, you need many different connections, I think. Right. D- diversity. That's yeah, what exactly. makes the relationship interesting, right? If your partner is home, you need to go away from home sometimes. And then you come back and you appreciate home all the more. Mm, mm, lovely we have to like create this deliberate separations because now it's just so easy to be together we take that for granted i want to move into some of the questions that i think that i like to ask everybody who come onto the show lightning round okay let's do it what is the meaning of life a paradox 
Next. Who are you? <laughs> Consciousness itself. What is happiness for you? Creative inspiration. The state of pure inspiration. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That is it for today, podcasts. This is your host, Chance, and it has been an honor to have you, Jeffrey. Thank you so much for your time and your generosity. And I hope you listening, finding it beautiful as well. And so thank you very much and see you next time. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to leave a rating and turn on your Apple podcast notification for weekly release. Feel free to share this podcast with others who might also enjoy it. If you're looking for ways to connect, my Instagram handle is in the descriptions. I'm looking forward to the next episode of On The Wheel. This is your host, Chen, signing out.